But I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to wrap up a series that actually started four weeks ago, and we're talking about getting past your past. It's so good to see Andrew back in the house, Nokum. He was in the hospital this week, and he's sitting there. He's alive, and uh, God's, God's going to work a miracle in his body. And the Lord gave me a, a word for him, and I just, I'm believing it. And so we're standing together. Thank you for joining us in this last week. But, you know, how many of you have ever had someone either lie to you or disappoint you or betray, or betray you or hurt you in some way? Come on, anybody fitting into those categories? And see, now I'm going to ask you, how many of you have done those very thing, same things to other people? Oh, all right. And see, a lot of times, we, we, you know, we're, we're, we're hesitant to, to admit that we've been the offender. But you know what? Because it's easy, it's easy, you know, to take on the victim mentality. Well, you know, they just, they, they, <laughs> you just don't know. See, I, I believe that that's why we hear messages over and over and over in church. You know, here's how and why we should forgive and those who have hurt us. And, you know, I mean, and then, but it's not so much, it's, it's rare to talk about sometimes owning up to our own offenses that we've brought into people's lives. I'm even talking about and how we deal with those. So what do we do when we're the person, when we're the person who's hurt or wronged someone else? What do we do? Let's start with the words. You know, a good place to start was the words of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23, and it just says this. Says, so, so if, underline that word if, if, that's conditional, if, ifs and buts, you know, if, it's conditional. Buts, you've heard me, if you've been here long enough with me, it, the but in the Bible means where's your butt fit in this, this portion of Scripture? Okay? It says, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar of the temple, that's when you're going to church, and you're, you're worshiping God, and suddenly remember that someone, someone has something against you. Does that mean you track them, every person down that, that's been against you? For some of you, that would be a full-time job. You know, but we're not talking about that. But I believe the key to understanding this portion of Scripture, and it's in the phrase, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar of the temple and you suddenly remember. How many of you know that God can bring things to your remembrance sometimes? Something you've forgotten about for years, and all of a sudden you go to bed or you see them coming, and all of a sudden God just brings a a reminder. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm the only one that ever happened to Okay, so thank you. Now I'm feeling normal. And so it says, and, and what it's saying is, is get, get it right. That's what it's saying. It's go get it right. If God brings something to your remembrance, go get it right. And then you must do as the scripture, as the spirit leads you to do. And you know, if you've hurt a friend, if you hurt a friend's feelings, or if you let someone down, or you disappoint someone, or if you've lied to someone, you're to go, you're, you go to God to worship, you remember someone and you know that I love that, I've, that they're upset at me because of what I've done or what I said. Look at Matthew, uh, the next verse, verse 24. Y'all with me? It says, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come 
and offer your sacrifice to God. The Greek word, the proverb for go implies an intense action. That means, that, what does that mean? That means you have to travel, you have to work hard, you have to, you have to overcome obstacles. Whatever you got to do, get done what you need to get done. That's what it's saying. Go make it right. You see, you can't think of any other time in the, I can't think of any other time in the scripture where the Bible says there's something that, that takes place is a higher priority over the worship of God, that we go get things right. How can you be, go and make, get things right with God or be right with God when you have something wrong with someone else? Hello. So God's saying, hey, you want to make me a priority? Go get things right with those other people before you come and spend time with me. Does that make sense? And, and see, I, I know that, you know, it's like before you worship, Matthew 5, 9 says it like this. Listen. Blessed are the peacemakers. How many of you heard that before? For they shall be called, what? Sons of God. Notice Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. See, be a peacemaker doesn't mean you wear a peace symbol shirt. Doesn't mean that you march around against nuclear weapons. It doesn't mean that you go around marching for wells. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't do that. I suggest, he says, that you're the, you become the finest peacemaker. And, and the fine, let me just say, the greatest peacemaker activity you can ever do as a Christian. Look at me. I want to tell you something. Here's the key. The greatest, peacema- the greatest peacemaker activity you can do is inter- introducing people to the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Just introducing people to Jesus. What is that? I mean, let me ask you a question. How many of you get nervous when you, gotta, when you, you think you're, you're about to talk to someone about Jesus? Come on, let's be honest. I mean, you get tongue-tied. You feel like a cartoon character. Foghorn Lake, I'd say, boy. You know what I mean? I, but, I don't know, you know? And, and what happens is, is it, what happens is there can be, you know what? That, 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 can compare, that can't compare to the joy when you see a friend or a relative or a neighbor that opens up their heart to Jesus when you introduce them to the Prince of Peace. See, there's a real difference between being a peacemaker and being a peacekeeper. And I want to share the difference. See, peacekeepers often avoid confrontation to keep the peace. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Say, that's me. All right. What happens is they want to avoid confrontation at all costs. You know why? Oh, they know that, you know, they don't want to fight. I don't, I don't want to fight about it. You know, or let's not talk. Let's just pretend everything's okie dokie. But how many of you know that sometimes it ain't? And see, we all know deep down that a relationship, but it's not, it's not what it's supposed You ever been around someone or your mate or your son or your daughter and you just know something ain't right? It's just not the way it's supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you get up in the morning and you go, hey, how's it going? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with you? Mm, nothing. You want to go, your lie and your breast stinks. What's wrong with you? You know? You see, what happens is, is it, but we know, so, you know, but you don't want to fight. Let's just be peacekeepers. But peacemakers, let me just say what peacemakers do. They embrace confrontation to make the peace. Hello. What do you mean, Pastor Bible? Jesus said, go. Before you offer your gift, go. Initiate, try, apologize, do whatever it takes. Am I, do I sound mad? 
Okay, I'm just excited. It's okay. Just All right, I'm not mad at anybody, but it, I'm mad at the devil. But even if you have to work through some very difficult things to make peace where there is no peace, go make peace. You know, my life, in, in, you know, being a pastor in a leadership setting, I have no problem being a peacemaker, you know, uh, confronting things that need to be confronted or seeing something in people's lives. And so what do you mean, Pastor? But we're like, correction shouldn't mean bring rejection, okay? But some people take correction as rejection. Really what real correction, godly correction brings direction. You understand what I'm saying? And so when people, when they get corrected because the way they were corrected as a child, you know, they, they, you, know you dummy, you you stupid. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Just using words, dummy, stupid, you know, BB brain, all those different kind of things. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? But what happens is because, because what sometimes you, you deal with that. See, you give someone, I, I know, you give me someone who's not doing what they're supposed to do, and I'll call them and I'll try to make peace. You know what I'm saying? Try to bring correction, but bring peace with God and peace with the people around them. Does that make sense? But what's interesting I can just say, at the beginning of my marriage, especially in my family, I can do all that, but in my family, I wanted peace. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I just want quiet, peace, joy, freedom. Come on. You're looking good, baby. You know, you make a gunny sack look good. I mean, Lord, you know, I mean, all those things. But I don't know why, but when there's a challenge, I would think, you know, okay, I mean, you know, my wife... Let me just say, my wife is a natural peacemaker. She didn't get mad or anything like that. She goes, let's talk it out. Oh, no, no, I don't want to talk it out. Peace, 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 peace still. In other words, you know, I'd be like, okay, let's not get upset. My wife's like, no, 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 it's okay. Let's fight about it and resolve it. I'm like, I love you. I'm tired. Don't you want to go to bed? No, I want to get to the bottom of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And all you wives said, amen, Pastor Bubba. And all the husbands, oh, Pastor, why would you have to meddle with us? Come on. Hey, I'm preaching to myself this morning. You see, it's okay. But see, let, let, me, give you, let me give you friends and enemies of peacemaking. Can I do that? Okay. The, let me just say this. The greatest enemy of peacemaking, look at me, is a word called pride. Pride. The Bible says God resists the what? Come on, anybody help me. Come on, don't be proud to say it. Not to say it. Proud. God resists the proud, but the Bible says he gives grace to what? Those that are humble. So if the greatest enemy of peacemaking is pride, the greatest friend of peacemaking is humility. What do you mean? You show me a relationship with tension, and I'll show you someone who's walking in pride. Why? Because someone doesn't want to humble themselves and go, that's the way it is. You know, get that Walter Cronkite spirit off of you. So for you that are younger, you don't even know who he is. But anyway, I used to have to watch the news of my grandfather. But see, people who say, I'm, I'm going to apologize. I, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I don't have to say I'm sorry for this. What I found in almost every ongoing relational struggle, is there, there's, just one, there's a fault somewhere, and that fault is someone's walking in pride. What do you mean? I don't care if that other person's a jerk. Can I just be honest with you? You could still be the problem. What do you mean? Because you need to own up to your part, because what you need to get is the inner jerk that's inside of you, out of you. 
many of you know all of us have an inner jerk? Have you met him lately? Have you talked to him lately? Has he come out and go, I'm coming out? Isn't that true? Okay, let me ask y'all a question. Let's be really honest. How many of you really don't like your inner jerk? Hey, let that red light stop on you. Does he come out? Let someone take your Walmart spot while you're waiting for someone else to park in another spot. Let your wife give the biggest piece of meat to your youngest child. Let your husband go buy a new fishing pole, and you were going to buy that dress on stage at a good price on sale, and he bought his fishing pole. Come on, am I talking to anybody's inner jerk this morning? Has he come out? See, Romans says this. He said, if, if it is possible. Now, here's another if. If it is possible. Say it with me. Say, if it's possible. Hey, Amen. How many of you know that all things are possible with God? But sometimes it's the if, 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 if we. He said, if it is possible, as far as it depends on who? No, no. Who did he say? Who's you? That's you. Look at your neighbor. That's you. Look at the neighbor you were trying to avoid because you were trying to be a peacekeeper and go, that's you too. See, if you've done 1% of the wrong and the other person's done the 99% that's wrong, can I just say something? You still need to own up and apologize for your 1%. And by the way, let me just say, don't, don't, you know, don't, don't use Pastor Bubba's example. Don't use percentages. Baby, you're 2% wrong. You need to apologize. You don't need to use percentages. What you need is in some way, because that tells the attitude that you have. How many are talking about? See, Tracy and I, we counsel so many people who have failed marriages. The crazy thing is this. We always talk to the one innocent person in the couple. Who am I talking about? We always talk to the right one, and the other one is the jerk. Man, y'all getting quiet on me today. I've already stepped on the inner jerk. I don't know what's happening right now. See, what happens is, is why is that? Because it's so hard to see our own pride and our own sin in the mirror. You know, because see, I, I wish I had, I wish I had one of those big mirrors this morning where you just get up in the morning, you get all dressed, you're looking good, put your, you know, your cologne on, comb your hair, make sure you floss your teeth before you came to church, you do all those kind of things, make sure, you know, your belt's right, and, you know, all that, you know, come on, you know what I'm talking about? Your shoes are shined and all that stuff, you know, because you're looking good. But if we could really see the person in the mirror, all right. wouldn't that be incredible? If God flipped it on you one morning, he goes, oh, by the way, flip the mirror over. I'm going to have the spirit mirror. See what's up in your soul. See what's in your spirit. We're going to do a little inventory. How you go, I ain't looking on that flip side. <laughs> because, see, you know what God's always trying to do? God's, you know the thing I love about God? He's just for real. You remember when you were a kid? And, you know, a southern term that we use, you know, sometimes you go, bless your soul. 
Bless your sweetheart. That means you stupid little <laughs> kuyong, you. <laughs> you know, how many of you know that's just a nice way to say it? You are stupid, kuyong, you know. Humility on the other side says, you know what? I'm going to own up. I'm going to own up to my part. I'm going to do. See, when you humble yourself, you know what you do? You elevate that, the relationship above yourself. Can I say that again? When you humble yourself, you elevate the relationship you have with your spouse or the people in your life above yourself. Because guess what? You know what we want? You know what pride says? You're right. You deserve to be right. Fight till you get it right. And they see. Isn't it amazing? See, what we become like, even in our own hearts, how I many you get mad at politicians? I do all the, I don't even watch them anymore. I mean, I just like, I mean, even the ones that you think they're going to be good, they're all about themselves. I'm just like, someone get real for once. You know what I'm saying? What we need to pray is we need to pray for our country that God would raise up a leader to lead us and call us back to God himself. Because a politician won't do that, but a leader will. Are you hearing me? And see, how much could God do in your heart if you take pride out and replace it with humility? God, here's my heart. I don't have the right to be right all the time. God, bring correction, bring direction in my life. You are the glory and the lifter of my head. God, you're my banner of victory. God, you are my provider. Everything I need, even if I have to walk in humility, even if I look stupid, even if I have to embarrass myself, God, you promised that you would bring provision for me. You supply all my needs according to your riches and your glory. Amen? Amen. I think about God. Jesus is God, and he was man. Think about when he went and saw Mary and Martha. And what did he say when, when, you know, know, uh, Martha's kind of freaking out, and he says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and who believes in me will never die. When he went to go visit Lazarus, remember? That was the, that was, let me tell you, that was the God part. But what did he do to Mary? He just wept. That was the human side of Jesus. He didn't even say a word to her. He just wept. And we know when he stood before the tomb, he was God and man. And he looked and he said, Lazarus. And you know, when you really look at that portion of Scripture, the, Bible, the, the translators don't even do it right. It says he was angry. What was he angry at? Death. Because he was the resurrection and the life. And he knew what he would have to face one day for you and me, that we could have hope, that he was willing to humble himself even in the garden. Lord, not my will. Come on, am I going somewhere this morning? Not my will, but your will be done. God, I don't care what I feel like. I'm going through these emotions. It's emotional for him. Remember, he sweat blood in the garden, and, and, and there he was. Because why? He had you and me on his heart. We hear all the beautiful little Christian songs, but you know what he was, he was looking towards? He was looking toward that he was going to be away from his father for three days, that he would literally go take the keys of hell, death, hell, death in the grave from the enemy. And guess what? The enemy's still looking for his keys because Jesus took them. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. See, now, you go, Pastor, why did you say all that? I don't know. It felt good. Just had to remind myself and my inner jerk. You know, now I want to give you some things that are very practical. And how do we apologize with humility? Okay, and there's a right way to apologize and there's a wrong way to apologize. How many are you talking about? 
How many had you been the victim of both? Or you've done both? Don't, don't ever say, you know, if I did something to hurt you, I'm sorry. That's not an apology. That's a cop-out. And, and listen, you know, I'm sorry that you feel that way. I, got you, I felt your hurt. I hurt your feelings, you big fat, you know, baby. That's not an apology either. That's being a jerk. Why did I get on jerk this morning? I don't know. Maybe because I want some jerky. Anyway, just I can't eat that, what I mean. But there's five ways to apologize God's way. Let me just give you five ways to apologize God's way. The first is this. Remember this. Admit to the specific actions and attitude. Get specific because there's something very healing when you say, you know, here's what I did and you name it. Okay? You see, I'm really sorry I yelled at you. You know what? I did. I lied. I shouldn't have done it. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so humiliated. I'm sorry. I lied to you. Will you forgive me? I mean, you go, I can understand that. I didn't call you. You know, I didn't call you the other day, and I should have called you, and I know I'm supposed to call you, but I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Some people need to apologize for not doing anything. You know, honestly, because it's what, what we didn't do that warrants apology. You know, I've, I've seen people go, well, pastor, I didn't do anything. And, and now let me just, for all that you are new, let me give you a, a lesson in life. Simple lesson. When you grow beans, what do you get? Come on, talk to me. When you, get, when you, when you plant beans, what do you get? When you plant rice, what do you get? And what do you get when you get about red beans and rice? Anyway. Okay. But if you plant nothing, what do you get? No, 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 no. You get weeds. And see, what happens in relationships when you don't deal or own up to something, you're dealing with the weeds of life. Even in your marriage. Well, you know, I'm asking, what have you been doing to help her? Nothing. Well, that's the problem. You haven't been doing nothing. You see, anything times zero equals what? Zero. You know, there's two categories of sin. The first, the sins of commission. What does that mean, Pastor Bubba? I mean, maybe you've heard these big words, sins of commission. Those are sins that we commit by doing things we shouldn't, have, we shouldn't do. Things we shouldn't do. Then there's the sins of omission. Those are the sins we commit by, by not doing the things we should do. In other words... You know what? I'm sorry. I didn't protect you. I should have. I can remember one time that I know that I made my my wife feel very insecure because I just didn't protect her from someone. And what they said, instead of me standing up and saying something, and I saw that's never going to happen again. Because in order, listen, you know when you get married, come on, men and women, how many know we're different? About as much uh, that a man has in common with a woman is as much as he has in common with an aardvark, okay? Especially when he first gets married. How many of you I'm talking about? I mean, they, they try to give you a book, and a, but this is what you, here's the key. You need to know, listen, in order, you need to know your wife's story to get to know her. You need to know what pains her, what makes her happy, what, what, when she shares things, what she experienced. What was her, her life like with her father? That'll say a lot. Was he there to protect her heart? Hello. 
Because if he went, or, you know, did she go through pains and, and different things, you know, in her life and experience things in her life? And I just believe this is that, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I didn't protect you. I should have. I'm sorry. I was so busy working all those years, and I just neglected our relationship. I'm sorry. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a man that stays married to one woman for one lifetime. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good provider. I want to be a leader in this house. I want to be a leader in my my workplace. I want to be a leader. Am I speaking to anybody here this morning? You know, as God's speaking, you know what? I'm embarrassed and I'm sorry I didn't emotionally engage in the things that you, you take serious. I took that for granted. One of the greatest things you can do is, is when someone's been hurt and wounded and they begin to share emotions, look at me. It doesn't mean you know what to do. But the one thing you can do is you can say this. You know what? I don't know everything you're walking through, but I want to let you know this. I have compassion for you. It's the best thing you can do. You know, don't insult someone and say, well, I know what you're going through. You know what I'm talking about? You know, and it's like, and the second thing is, don't make excuses. I've seen a billion, I've seen, I've seen this a billion times. A guy gets caught looking at pornography. And so he tries to blame his wife. Well, if you'd be giving it up a little more and meeting up with me. The wife goes, where's the spirit of the frying pan? Because you're fixing it. The Bible said, whatever you do with all that might, knock, whatever you do with your hand, do it all. I'm fixing to knock you out, Jack. I'm fixing to bring the UFC girl that knocks out men, and he's coming, she's coming to the house. I don't know her name. It doesn't matter. But anyway, I wouldn't get in a ring with her. She's too mannish. I'm serious. Own up. Look at me. Own up. Because really, it's not about that. It's really the condition of your heart. God's always after the heart. So is the enemy. And what he wants to do, he wants to take something that's a lie and fill your mind and your heart with that, that you get so wrapped up in that that you forget the beauty of God and the beauty of your wife. You know, the Bible even says this. You can see the glory of God through your wife and her hips and her breasts and her shape and everything. And you can shout, thank you, Jesus, for the gift you gave me. And someone, every man in here ought to shout it and go, praise you, Jesus. Y'all think, are you, are you serious? Go look it up. See, the reason, you know, you know, baby, the reason I spend so much, much money, you're a cheapo man. That's why I spend all the money in the checkbook, you cheapo, cheapo. You wouldn't buy me nothing nice, so I went and bought it myself. I had a friend, Lily. She, when they first got married, she thought if you had a checkbook that there was always money in it. You want me to tell you who it was? No, I'm not going to tell you. Anyway, real close for him. And but what happened is they get their first bank statement, and he goes, to baby, what did you do? He goes, what do you mean? She goes, you spend, spend a bunch of money in the checkbook. We don't have that money. What? I thought if, it, if I had the checkbook, we had money in it. As many checks as I had, I thought I had money for it. 
But you know what the miracle is? She does the family budget now. How many of you know there was a real talking going on for that one? You know, that's an excuse. I spent so much, you know what? I spent so much money because I was jealous and materialistic, and there's no excuses. That's why I did it. And the third thing, y'all with me? Accept yeah. the consequences. Oh, we don't like to talk about that. When you, when you sin against someone else, you hurt them. Not only do you hurt them, you betray them, and, you, and there's consequences. What do you mean, Pat? See, if, if you've gossiped about someone and said a little, and, and, and they, they're a little slow to trust you or to believe you, that's just a consequence. Because you know what? You, you're the one that builds a trust, and you're the one that takes down the trust. Come on. You remember those guys get up there all prideful? Yeah, I'm the man. I'm going to tell her what to do. She's going to be barefoot. She's going to clean my ducks. She's going to cook a meal for me. You see them about four years later, and they're walking up in the church. She goes, oh, by the way, did you get the diaper back? And don't forget the wipes. And, you know, and they're carrying a <laughs> whole lot of change going on. See, what I've learned is, is don't yell, then apologize. I'm sorry, I yelled at you, and guess what? And then you yell again? Change your behavior. Get help. Get counseling. Get in a life group. Get around people that will help you, encourage you. Encourage you means they pour courage in you to help you change. Amen. Connect with people. God wants you to be a connection. Christianity is about a community. It's about a family. And see, we can't pick the family we're born into, but we can pick the spiritual family that we walk with. And the reality is for all of us is that some of us just need help. How many say, I need help? And the rest of you didn't raise your hand. How many of you have ever lied? All right, just want to make sure. This is why we want every. That's why we want everybody in a life group. That's why if you came this morning after service, we're gonna have connect. We're gonna have a, a first step, and, and, and next step. I'm first step. It's the first step of the next step. Okay, and I don't want to confuse anybody, but I'm gonna be doing that this morning. And, and by the way, y'all pray for Pastor Josh and Lindsay. They're trying to fly out, but he sent me a text right before, and he said y'all pray for Joel because he's throwing up and he has a headache. And they were about to get on the plane. So let's just stop right now. I just, let's just stop right now. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for Josh and Lindsay. We thank you for the miracle of what you've done in Joel's little body. And, Lord, we stop right now as a church as we remember. God, we, we pray for them. We pray for strength. We pray that you would touch little Joel's body. God, you are his healer. You are his source. You are everything he needs. And, God, right now, we thank you for the miracles. But, Lord, we pray that you would just bring strength in healing, in everything that needs to work the way it needs to, to work in his body, in Jesus' name. And all of us said, amen. amen. That's why we want you in life group. So, you know, even moments like this, we can stop as a family and just go, hey, let's stop. Let's pray. That way you can go around people and just say, hey, man, can I just be brutally honest with you? Me and my wife fight a lot. See, I promise you this. Some of you were fighting this morning for you came to church. I want no hands raised. 
You're driving them. Well, I told, why didn't you get the, you should have ironed my shirt. And you know what? And the kids, shut up, kids. And I mean, oh, this Pastor Bubba, hey. It's like a miracle happened. That's why you need people to keep you accountable. You know, when we do the, the conference in, in a couple of weeks and, you know, finding your God-given passion, I want to invite you to come Friday night at 7 and 6 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday. And, and the guy that, one of the guys is one of the overseers of my brother, Pastor, uh, Pastor Clady Keith, is going to be one, one of the guys speaking. And I, I believe this. God has a word for us as a church. But I believe this, that God wants to inspire, encourage. But you know what? He just wants to change some of us on the inside. And so we're inviting all the campuses to come. And so we're going to, can I just tell you, it's going to be a family gathering. And we're just going to come and go, well, Pastor Bubba, what's God going to do? I don't know. But I'm praying that he does something great in all of our lives. Amen? Amen. You see, and the last one is this. Ask for forgiveness. Yes. You remember Fonzie on Happy Days? Remember he could never say he was what? Sorry. He couldn't say it. Why? Because he had the spirit of pride. He could never admit that he was wrong and that he was sorry. Don't just say, I'm sorry. Say, I was wrong. And will you please forgive me? I just, I'm going to say it. I don't care what y'all think about it. But I just know this in marriage. When there's a whole lot of forgiveness going on, I like the after effects. I like when Miss Tracy marinates herself in olive oil, just for me. Come on. There's nothing like, like that does your marriage good, about, but yet walking in forgiveness and walking in humility toward each other. I mean, I'm talking about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Tell me, don't you walk out here with pride today. I'm trying to get you blessed. But see, the, the, when you, I, I've learned this. When you break a bone and it heals, wherever the bone broke becomes stronger where it was broken. See, there are those of you, you, you have a broken relationship. And if you do your part, you go first. And don't wait. Got to do something. Because you know what I've been doing? I've been praying this week. And I prayed for everyone this morning. I did. I called. I just, I didn't, I didn't know everybody would be here. But I said, Lord, I pray for the people in the church this morning. That's you. People that are going to be here. That God, that, that, that you would take that which is broken in their relationships, that's what's broken in, 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 with their children and their spouses, and that, God, that you would heal it and it would be stronger than it ever has been before. You would take those broken places. Because I've learned this. As a husband, come here, baby. Just come on. Come on. I just want to say this. I could either walk in a broken relationship with my wife or I could walk as one. Because guess what? The missing part of me is found right in her. And the, everything she needs that, that's missing in her life, it, oh wait, it comes from me, but most of all, it comes from God. 
But it's, if we walk together seeking God, God will meet our needs and we learn to meet each other's needs. And guess what? That's why on Tuesday, I can stand up here today and say, we'll be married 31 years. I've never used the D word, divorce, in my language toward my wife. I have thought about murder. But <laughs> that's the truth. She thought about it too, I promise you. I'm going to kill that little Cajun boy. I mean, <laughs> you know. But I'll just say this. When God gave me Tracy, God gave me a gift. And I was supposed to steward that gift. Then one day... I will stand just like you. And we'll have, we're like the, the man with talents, the men with talents that gave them gifts. And how we use the gifts God gives us, how we treat our wives and how we treat our husbands, one day we'll be accountable to that. Thank you, baby. Come on, isn't she fine? <clears throat> She's not the same woman I married. She's better. You know, as I come to a close this morning, I think about, I think about this, about forgiveness. And for some of us, it's like, it's like something we have to overcome in our lives. You know what I'm talking about? You know, the big talk this week has been Cecil the lion. I'm saying, if I hear it popped out on me, I'd have shot him. But anyway, just... I wouldn't be in hiding either. But, you know, there, there was one of the things that in, in Serengeti, there's a tribe in Africa. In order to be a man or to get validation to be a man, you have to kill a lion. So when they're two and three years old, listen, when they're two and three years old, you know what they do? You know what the, you know what the elders do? They give them a stick. So at two and three, they get a stick. And by the time they're 13 and 14, they can twirl that stick 100 miles an hour. They can knock things out with, a, with that stick because they're, since they were two and three years old, they've been training to face a lion one day. And you know what lions hate? Lions hate okra. They ain't from Cajun country. Mom was going, thank you, Jesus. Because you know why? They're getting the scent off of being a human. And they're in the wild. And they start rubbing against okra. So when they face the lion, and you know what a lion hates? It hates for its mouth to be caught. Stuck. You know what those boys do? In order to become a man, they run to the lion. The lion, first of all, can't stand the smell they got because it's okra. Shrimp and okra gumbo. Anyway. And they take that stick and they beat that lion's mouth with a stick and they hope they can get the lion's mouth open so they can jam a stick right up in their mouth. And then what they do is they kill the lion. Can you imagine your son, 13 and 14, coming back with some scars all up in it? And all of a sudden, you know, he's walking different. He's acting different. Why? Because he just left from being a boy to a man. And see, the sad thing is, look at me. Go, Pastor, why do you say that? Because let me tell you something. God wants to take you and face the lions in your life. 
See, when you got saved, you know what God did? God put his truth. That's the word of God. He said, get the truth in you. So when the lion comes, I mean, the Bible says the enemy's like a lion. What, what does he do? He seeks to whom he can devour. He roars. Rah! That's where you, should, you ought to be getting the word of God, and you ought to be twirling it. Come on, sucker, you little cat. And they take that lion out. And see, for us, sometimes the lion that we face is called unforgiveness. That we've offended people. That we've done things. We've said things. And see, you know what? The, is, when I say pride, can I just say something too? I think that most of us deal with the biggest thing. It's called self-deception. That we just all right. We good compared to Joe Thibodeau. I mean, you're talking about, isn't it amazing that we try to compare ourselves to other people and go, well, we ain't like this. Well, we, you know, I'm better. We kind of put ourselves, am I in the right church? You see, this morning, what God wants to do, God wants to take that past. We talked about God giving you a new name, God giving you a new identity, God giving you a new future, God getting rid of your past, that you walk in forgiveness toward people, that you get rid of those things. You see, I believe this, that God wants you and I to come to that point where those who say, I got something to apologize that I did. Will you forgive me? And you do it with integrity. You say, Pastor Bubba, that's me. I know there's some lions that I have to face, but this morning, the Spirit of God arrested my soul. The Spirit of God began to speak to me. And you know what, Pastor Bubba? I know there's some things that I need to do that I need to make right this week. Say, Pastor Bubba, that's me. Would you pray for me this morning? If that's you, just raise your hand. All over this place. Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't let it just be in the back. Come on. All over. Raise it up. Raise it up. Say, God, that's me. Listen, when you raise your hand, that's the first sign of humility. I don't care. If people, oh, I knew it. I knew they needed to raise their hand. It's the first sign. Anybody else? Come on, just raise it up. That's me, Pastor. Put it down. Let's pray.